From our WFUV studios in the Bronx, New York, it's the Pick and Pot. Drop us a voicemail at 347-903-WFUV. Now, here are your hosts, Kenny Ducey and Kevin Kelly. Oh my goodness, the NBA is buzzing right now, Mr. Kevin Kelly. And the Huge. best part about it is we just haven't even decided to do any podcasts over the past two weeks. It's so we feel real really tough. Bad. We've been real busy and we feel bad, so we got a special show for you on tap tonight. Yep, Jared Dubin and Sean Hyken both joining us today to talk about, well, Jared was is very excited that uh, the Knicks just traded for Shane Larkin. We'll talk to Sean about that trade as well, getting into a little bit of draft stuff. Uh, yeah, I'm very excited for this show, and obviously the big news today, we just have to start right away by mentioning the Tyson Chandler trade that just happened, because, wow. I, I was blown away when I first saw it pop up today on my computer. I was like, wow, that actually went through? Like, the Knicks are picking up two draft picks? 34 and 51, that's not bad in this draft. There's a lot that can be done down there, and... I, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, for Knicks fans, I'm not a Knicks fan myself, but well, according according to Chris Herring, there's also the possibility that Larkin and Dallenbear, who came uh, over to the Knicks uh, in an, an official trade that just went down uh, with uh, Jose Calderon and Wayne Ellington, are apparently on the table for another deal. But as it looks right now, the Knicks, well, they have a young point guard who they can develop, and obviously. They still might have a young point guard, even if they deal Shane Larkin, because they might pick one up in the draft, because they also right. got the two draft picks, number 34 and number 51. Number 34, which we're going to do, I, I love I love that spot right there. It's, I think it's actually yeah. more valuable than the 30th pick. Because, Absolutely, right, because yeah. the way second-round picks are these days, the value is so much higher if you can pick a guy out down there that's actually going to be good for your team. And and then you have Jose Calderon, which, look, $22 million over the next three years, which is ridiculous. It's better than Felton. It, it like, that's what we kind of left that, out that's so the far. Thing. It's like, Felton's gone. Does that, it's I mean, huge. we should be playing the no Felton clip. Oh, we should. I, I, didn't, even, I didn't even think of that before. There's guy, I, mean, it was, it was I your, can't believe that didn't come up earlier in the conversation, that Raymond Felton is actually gone. Yeah, no Felton. You say it, Wale. Yeah, there's there's no more Felton. It's a party, I guess, like that. We're not going to be able to play that clip anymore. I mean, we can probably find a few times to slip it in, but yeah. it'll be tougher. Yeah, see, I, I mean, I think one day I was listening to his his uh, jump freestyle, and I was like, oh, he's, he's kept seeing no Felton, so we should play that whenever Felton gets injured or something <laughs> like that. And then now Felton's gone. Not that we want injuries. I just want to no, clarify. No, of course not. I, I had no part in that, we just want, to be clear. We just want opportunities to play that. <laughs> no, that's huge. Raymond Felton was due $4.5 million dollars. Um, I believe in 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 two years from now, but yeah, he had a couple of years left on his deal. It was around four to five a year, and while Calderon seven, I, I would rather pay Calderon seven mil than Felton four and a half mil uh, any day of the week. I mean, and, and look, you, you know that uh, it, it's prob he's probably gonna deteriorate a little bit uh, over the course of this deal and no at way 32, yeah, it's, right. It's, it's gonna be tough. And he's not worth it, but I think at the end of the day. He can still shoot. He's you know one of the best one of the best shooters in history. I think. I mean, in terms of where he plays, and I mean, he can still shoot the three, which is a way the Knicks had success a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, and you look down the road at 2015, 2016, um, it's possible that he helps recruit Marcus Saul. And you look at what the Knicks look like. You have J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert under contract to go along with Hardaway, Prigioni on his last year if he doesn't retire by then. Uh, and then you have Calderon, and you would have Shane Larkin, and then um, 
that I mean that would be it. So really, there's a lot of room there to sign a player, and then you also have. I mean, if you don't trade Shumpert, or that was Hardaway, what I was just going to bring up I'm, because right. that's still on the table, as far as I know. And I think that's going to happen. But I thought so too until this trade happened, and I thought that was the one that was guaranteed when they were talking about how there was going to be a press conference after the draft. I thought it was because they were going to get either pick 21 or 29 from the Thunder because the Thunder have 21 from the Mavs, but instead. The Knicks are getting a different Mavs pick, or a couple, a couple different Mavs picks, and this is how it ends up. It's going to be fascinating to see whether they trade Shumpert, but because of what they just did, I don't see it happening as much because it looks like they're trying to trim down the roster, and they have a di- Phil has a different plan in mind, and he's already putting his mark on the franchise. Well, it's I don't know. I don't know about Shumpert because you can still trade Shumpert for a first-round pick, and there's still a lot of me that believes the Knicks are going to get into the first round tomorrow. I, I really, I really would and put. And he's the way to do it. Money on it, right? Exactly. I, I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know, m- months back, offered at the trade deadline that first round pick for Mon Shumpert, and I think that that's a very real possibility at this point. That 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 I think that tw- kind of deal could still happen. Right, and I think I don't know if I do it for twenty nine, but twenty one. That's a, that's a big difference in my mind in this draft. You can really hit that twenty first pick and get somebody who's solid for the future. Originally, Payne was down in that range. He's up three to five spots now in a lot of mock, mock drafts. But if the Knicks could add somebody like Payne, that would make things really interesting in New York. And Payne w- would be cool. You also look at DeAndre Kane. I think if the Knicks keep that uh, 51st pick, he's down there. The Knicks worked him out. Nick Johnson is a guy who's who could be there at 34. I like him a lot more and the than Knicks worked him like everybody out. else. Like, I mean, he can play some solid D. He had some good years at Arizona, and I re- he led that team. I could see him being a solid NBA player. And I asked Aaron Gordon about that. I asked Aaron Gordon about his future in the league, and he said he absolutely has a future in this league. You know, guys are kind of underrating him, and he thinks that he's going to develop that killer jump shot, uh, which I think would really elevate his game and elevate his value to a lot of teams. As we kind of start to talk about this media day, because we have uh, we have plenty of time and plenty of uh, people to talk to uh, to about this trade, um, because. It wasn't. Now I'll say this: it wasn't as cool of a media day. I don't think as years passed. Like I, I remember uh, old ones where people were saying funny things, and then I remember last year, like See, Alex got, Len said he should go number one because, like, he was really good against Nerlens Noel one game. Yeah. See, I was getting some of the funnier answers because I was I going wasn't. to the guys that weren't didn't have their tables crowded. So how it was set up is there's there's one player at each table, and there's a couple different sessions. And so a couple times after I got, like, Jabari, for instance, I'd go over to somebody like Alfred Payton, and I'd get better answers. I mean, that guy, first of all, he just has a contagious smile. You're to talking about that. It, and it was, it's funny, and he just gives these good answers. And I, I liked him. There were a couple. I, I liked Adrian Payne, who I've dealt with in the past. I, I thought it was a good day from some of those guys who don't get as much attention because what it ended up being is a lot of recycled questions throughout. Absolutely. I mean, well, well, then that's what there are guys. There was a guy there who clearly worked for some sort of gaming magazine, or, or maybe even he worked for 2K and and ask him asking all sorts of players about video games. They're always the the guys who ask about right. the suits. I personally they had a lot started, of suits questions. Yeah, I started asking players about where they thought Carmelo was going to go because that Doug McDermott brought that up to me. I asked him about the increased excitement you know surrounding this draft because there's. Uh, this is such a great draft class that there are people very excited about tomorrow night. And he said, well, you know, also you can't forget, you know, that Melo and LeBron are free agents. 
And he said he thought Melo and LeBron were going to team up somewhere. Marcus, Not that Doug, Doug McBuckets would have any right, no, but, real I mean, insider it, info, but it's he, funny he might because, turn out to be a profit because but, I think that could really go down. I, I think it could. And that's what Marcus Smart said. He's like, we can't rule it out because we didn't think LeBron was going to team up with Wade and Bosh. But uh, when you talk to people, like fans of the game, they don't say, yeah, yeah, I think Melo and LeBron are going to play together. They don't say that. Yet, like, three people were like, you know, that that could happen today. And they're like... That's part of the conversation. That is kind of fascinating. And, and I'm not saying that they, you know, have inside information. Of course they don't. But it's just... It was just interesting in any way to hear someone say that. And, uh, yeah, Stout, Nick Scouse was like, oh, just, you know, put me wherever LeBron is. We'll, like, you know, we'll light it up. <laughs> yeah. He was joking about that. But... It, you know, Truly, he's a player that would fit right in with LeBron, sitting over there just knocking down three after three. That's the kind would. of match that would be interesting, even though it's not going to happen. Yeah, how about, you know, instead of trading up for Shabazz Napier in terms of the heat, they should trade. That, that report I found really interesting because I just don't feel weird. like they have enough to do it. If you look at their options, they have Norris Cole, they have this year's 26th pick, and then they have a first-rounder in 2017 that they can trade. And I just don't think that's enough to get up to where Shabazz is going to go. There's talk of him going as high as the teens. So I, I, I don't think he's going to go up there too. I, there's yeah talk of the magic at twelve. I don't think they can trade up there with the assets they have. And you know you you talk about the teens and Aaron Gordon uh, to me is going to be a guy who goes before that. I, I think he said today his range was like four to ten. Um, and when you talk about you know when I asked about the excitement kind of aspect he he you know was like you can't forget this Adam Silver's first first draft too oh, yeah. and he said he's a great and you know, I know he's a That's great a guy point. and he's going to be a great commissioner which kind of in, increases everything and you actually were there when he was talking about his jump shot which he, he told me you know just just wait and see it <laughs> my goal wasn't to show people that I can shoot the ball but they saw that during my workouts that I'm improving and I, that I can't shoot the ball That's really interesting because Oh, he is not looked at as a shooter, Kev, but right. and teams knew that too. Yeah, and he was talking about that Utah workout. He actually got two workouts with Utah and L.A. Those are the only two teams, according to him, that brought him in for two workouts. And it's funny because somebody asked him about that again later, and they were asking, oh, why do you think Utah brought you back in for a second workout? And he was like, oh, maybe it was to see uh, if, if it was a fluke the first time. But he's claiming that his jumper is getting better, and he's a guy that I always felt I didn't think his shot was too broken. I, I, I really felt like he could get it going. I, I've watched a lot of this guy, and I remember I watched a lot of him in Arizona, and even before that, I remember going on YouTube all the time to watch his stuff. And he just has such a motor, which he brings up a lot. He plays with such intensity. I could see him being a real great player. Well, he also hit that huge three, and I th- it was either the game that Arizona was eliminated in or the game before that. But he just he stepped up and just drilled a three with Arizona down down three. He or is a like competitor. That. He's such a fighter, and I love the way he plays. And I mean, I mean, I hope it goes to a team that I appreciate. I really am going to appreciate him a lot in the league, and yeah. I hope that he hits those jumpers because if he can. I mean, he obviously, you know, for obvious reasons, reminds you of Blake Griffin with the athleticism. And then uh, Griffin has, you know, ball handling. He's developed. Aaron Gordon can handle the ball. And then you you think about if Aaron Gordon can just add that jumper that Blake Griffin has now. Right, uh, that mid-range that he's been knocking down. It kind of took Blake Griffin, you know, this this amount of time to really round fully round his game get the jumper mm-hmm. get the you know the the ball handling ability as well as improve his 
uh, kind of drive to the rim. And, I mean, Aaron Gordon already has two of those components. All he needs to do is add this jumper, and apparently it looks okay. really good. It's I mean, looking good, and the teams are, are seeing that now. I, I find that fascinating. But the one thing I have to say is I don't think he would go to Orlando at four. I think that's a little unrealistic for him saying, like, four through nine or whatever. Yeah, I, I, think, I think two. And I just don't see Orlando taking him. He's not really what they have in mind right now. Anything can happen with the draft, so I could turn out to be completely wrong tomorrow night, but I just don't see that happening. I see Utah as the first real option for taking Aaron Gordon. Well, one thing Aaron Gordon also said, which was weird, is that he had the one-and-done season in his mind, like almost at the beginning of it, because someone asked him, like, was that kind of on your mind the whole year? And I was like, there's no way this guy is going to say yes. He was going to say he was completely focused on basketball. And while he did say he was focused, he said, well, no, I mean, I was kind of thinking about it. He was thinking about the fact that he was going to go to the league. I love that honesty, because everybody in the back of their minds, at the very least, is thinking about that. They're thinking about their future. They're thinking about how their careers could be ruined if they stick around too long. Absolutely. And so there's no way, and I love the honesty from him, and I appreciate that as somebody in the media. Yeah, I, I mean, he was really cool, cool to talk to. I mean, I also got to ask him what he was going to listen to, and he said Chance the Rapper, and then that was it. Like, that's all that he's going to listen to. Um, and uh, and I also got the chance to talk to Doug McDermott. But Well, before we let this drag so long, uh, he did talk about the fact that he steals. He like he said he likes stealing Dirk's moves uh, because you know obviously he added that Dirk fadeaway. He was pretty good in the post in college, but he doesn't really think that's going to happen in the league. Maybe not quite as much as I did in college. You know we did that a lot just because it's kind of the style we played. But I know I'm capable of you know doing more stuff on the perimeter. And uh, when I played the Team USA, you know I was able to do that. We were talking uh, in the car back uh, from the the media day that that he really. Like it was a struggle for him to get open, and he would he would have to run around screens. And this guy works his tail off, and he works his tail off to get open. Yeah. And he hits jumpers like nobody's business. And I think he has a pretty bright future in the league, and I think he's going to go in the top ten. I do too. I think top ten. I I, I can see it. I mean, I don't it's, know. it's it's bold. borderline. I think he's going to go there. Do you? Which team do you think will snag him then? I I really think the Hornets would be a cool fit for him. I think the Hornets might take him, and I I don't think he he said well he said he worked out that for the Celtics, about. the Lakers, uh, the Magic, which the Magic I don't think the Magic are going to take him at four. And I think he also said he worked out for the Magic Hornets. at twelve too, which would be the other option for them. But yeah, I don't know if he cracks the top ten. It's for it's funny because we also talked about how it's fluctuated with him, or he was so underrated. Then he got a little bit overrated because everyone was giving him a lot of attention. And now he's back, I think, to underrated because in a lot of mock drafts, he's slipping a little bit. And I see him as being a real good contributor. He's kind of, they talk about Jabari Parker as being a, a sure thing. I think McDermott's pretty much a sure thing the way he shoots the ball. He has a talent that's unlike a lot of people. And in the NBA, it's funny that he renounces, or he just says that he's not going to be as good in the post. He was a solid rebounder in college. He could grab a good amount of boards, and while maybe he won't be able to post up, I think teams would like to see that same rebounding. And I think that, okay, I saw him play in the Big East tournament, and it just, I can't really describe it, but this guy, that guy definitely seemed like a top 10 pick in my mind. Like, I just, not even really researching the draft too much to that point and really looking into where people were projected, I was like, this guy is ap- incredibly talented. He passes Just, the eye test when right, you go see him in right. person. I, and, for I sure. mean, obviously it's against collegiate defenses, but, I, yeah. I mean, the way he just turns around and shoots the ball effortlessly, uh, he is he, he he can be a scoring machine. That's the thing. I mean, you 
you can blink and all of a sudden he's got like 12 points in two minutes just because he's just he goes Even on this he's three going rampage. like one on five a lot of the time this year was a little bit better Rogi started knocking down some some shots but there weren't a lot of other options on Creighton and he was still finding ways to get open I remember they got beaten pretty bad by Baylor in that three six matchup and he the way he was running around still working I I, I really enjoy watching him play and I don't think He's going to have to do that against one defender instead of like half a team. Yeah, and I mean, he, look, he knows he has to improve his defense. And uh, I mean, look, a lot of rookies uh, coming into the league, that's a huge concern. But uh, I mean, there's no doubt the guy's going to be working at it. And you look at the way he can move in with the ball, the way he can he can operate in the post. It obviously depends who he's going up against. There's obviously a lot of bigger bodies in the NBA, so it's going to be a little tougher for him. But that's tough, his yeah. his scoring ability, and especially if you couple him, I mean, you put him on the right team, you you put him on the Hornets and just literally let him stand in the corner. And, With and, Al Jefferson in the post, that's see right. that's the thing. He the way the, the league is going, so well. the way the league is going with all this three point shooting and the way the floor is being spaced, I see him as a perfect fit. He's a guy that can just knock down shot after shot if he's getting open, especially if he has a guy on his team, a good point guard or even a shooting guard who can penetrate and just kick the ball to him. He's going to be able to knock down shots. So we've talked a lot of drafts. I think let's shift over back to the big news of the day, which was the Knicks getting rid of Raymond Felden and Tyson Chandler, picking up uh, two draft picks to go along with a, a few decent players. And we'll bring in Sean Hyken of Sports on Earth at Hyken. Uh, I have to ask you, have you heard Soldier Boy's 0-100 to freestyle yet? Because I hear it's very good, I haven't heard it yet, and I need an expert's opinion. No, oh, it's, it's, it's excellent. I've heard it. It is. What 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 else has he been putting out recently? Besides, because I think the last the last project I guess I heard from him was uh, it must have been yes. I, I've been I've been sleeping on Soldier. Uh, you know he's he's got I think he's got some news. I've I've seen him tweet about like he's got like a group album with some of his label mates coming at him, and I think King Soldier's remix tape is coming out at some point in July. But yeah, you know, he's been putting out tracks. I'm very excited for that. Actually, I think I might have to go get that because I'm looking for some new music. Um. Sean, to start, at this point in his career, what Soldier Boy song would you kind of compare Tyson Chandler to? Oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. Um, That's what I like to do. I like to just just confuse the hell the out of people. Uh, I think it might have to be Turn My Swag On because Tyson Chandler is a defensive uh, player and Soldier Boy you know, had a line in that song, I had to prove him wrong, went back in the studio and came out with another hit. So that was sort of proving he wasn't a one-hit wonder. Like he was sort of defending himself from, from the haters. That's sort of where I'd go with that. Sean, is, in your mind, is the best part of this trade getting rid of Raymond Felton, or is it freeing up cap space for the future? What do you think is most beneficial for the Knicks? Well, I'm just I'm kind of trying to wrap my head around this concept of the Knicks actually having draft picks like do Knicks fans even know what that is like are they familiar with the draft as like a thing that exists and like as a way to get players because like <laughs> it's, it's crazy that... I think I think yeah, I... I, I sorry to cut you off there but no, you, you go um if you look at like the two picks they have now we've heard all the talk that they want to get into the first round they have a first rounder next year uh, I mean, are we a? Are we already starting to see this new identity with Phil and B? I mean, are they done yet? Do you think that they continue to gulp? Dare I say it? You know, make decent trades. 
Well, they're off, I mean, Phil's definitely off to a good start so far. I think if you're a Knicks fan, you have to be a little bit encouraged by what he pulled off today. I'm not sure if they're going to trade for a first rounder at this point because, I mean, they got the one of the picks that they got from Dallas in this uh, in the Tyson Chandler trade was uh, number 34, which, you know, this draft is really is considered one of the deepest drafts in years. So having the number 34 pick is basically like having a first round pick. There's really not much difference between like the 34th pick or and the what like the 25th or the 26th pick or whatever they might be able to trade for uh if they were to like flip them on Shumpert into a first round pick there's really not that much difference in the kind of player that you're going to get Sean I'm going to switch it over here to Mello just for a second because it has to we're talking about the Knicks he's got to come into the discussion what do you think the chances are he's with the Knicks and maybe give me your one two three of most likely teams that end up with Mello at the start of next season you know, I'm, uh, I don't think he's going to resign at this point. And I think the reason that that's the case, I don't think he wants to leave New York. I don't think he wants to leave that much money on the table. But from the way, the way that it's been, that Phil has been talking basically since he took the job back in March is just, he doesn't really seem like he cares that much whether Mello stays. He's talking about wanting to take a pay cut. If he's going to stay, they don't want to give him the max. And if he's not going to be offered the max, then why is he going to stay in New York when he could go to, you know, take the same pay cut and, you know, go to Houston or go to Chicago or go somewhere else and have a better chance of winning. I think Chicago is the most natural fit for him in terms of what that team needs and, you know, what what he could bring to the team. Houston, I'm not really sure if that would uh, – I mean, I, I get why they're trying to do it, but I'm not sure if that would be a great fit. I almost think they'd be better off going after someone like Luol Deng, someone who's a better defender. But, you know, I, I, don't, I, I still think there's like an outside chance that the – big four in Miami could happen. I don't think that's likely at this point, but I think Chicago and Houston are probably the two most likely destinations if he were to lead the Knicks. Sorry, I turned my mic off there. That was weird. Sean, I, I'm, I'm kind of curious because I've read so much about the sign-and-trade possibility with Chicago that you mentioned it, uh, where it would be in the Bulls' best interest to do a sign-and-trade because they'd get to keep Jimmy Butler. They'd ship away uh, whoever they pick with, like, 16 and 18. They'd get to trade away Carlos Boozer to the Knicks um, and Mike Dunleavy. So and then obviously the Knicks would would get some assets back there too in terms of the picks and then they'd get a nice triangle player in Dunleavy. So that seems like it could work for both teams. But say Melo decides that he wants to play in Houston or somewhere else. I mean, is that uh, realistic that the Knicks could pull a sign and trade with another team? And like, what kind of players would they get back? Uh, well, if it's Houston, then you can make up most of the salary difference there by. You know, if the Knicks were to take on Omar Sheik and Jeremy Lin, I mean, I'm sure Knicks fans would probably love to have one more year of insanity just for old time's sake. But uh, I don't think I, I mean, I would think that the Bulls offer is probably more attractive because it seems like Phil is sort of going in the direction of wanting to get more draft picks and wanting to get more cap flexibility. Uh, if the Bulls could pull that off, they could just if they could just you know pick you know pick somebody that Phil wants. Like I think I've heard PJ Harrison's name thrown around as somebody who. Uh, Phil is said to like if he were to trade in the first round. So if they draft someone like him or someone like Tyler Ennis, who we who like we think Phil is going to want with the 19th pick, and that's probably why they're drafting that guy. The reason that it's in the Bulls' best interest to do a sign-in trade is because then they stay over the salary cap once they get mellow, and then they have the full mid-level exception, which they could potentially use to bring over uh, Miritich. So, Sean, uh, today the big three met up for a – a meeting about their futures. 
Personally, I think if Dwayne Wade decides to opt into his contract, LeBron's gone. What's your feeling on that? Do you think there's any chance if Wade opts in, he stays? I, you know what, I would be very surprised still. It seems like he's putting out signals that LeBron is willing to consider leaving Miami. I would be surprised if he actually left this summer. He might do it next summer or the summer after. He might sign, you know, a one-year deal with a player option, just do this whole process again next year, basically give Miami another year to uh, put it together. I think if Wade opts out, then all three of them are going to resign. But if, I think you're probably right that if Wade opts in, LeBron is going to take a harder look at going somewhere else. Well, I'm curious, at this stage of his career, with like what we've seen from Wade, is he really willing to take that big of a pay cut, in your opinion? It's it's not impossible. I think people sort of make the mistake of looking at Kobe Bryant and how he didn't really take a discount and thinking, oh, well, nobody's going to take a discount. But, I mean, if you think about it, Kevin Garnett, the last contract he signed with the Celtics was for like $12 million a year. Uh, Tim Duncan is making $10 million a year. Dirk is probably about to take a pretty massive pay cut with the Mavericks if they want to sign some more guys. And Wade isn't as old as those guys, but he's definitely on the downswing of his career. And I think Pat Riley has enough pull over these guys that he might be able to convince him if he can make make up his money and then some on the back end. Like, if he signs a... if He's owed $40 million over the next two years if he opts in. If he signs a, like a four-year, $48 million deal, it's like, okay, well, you know... You give up money in the short term, but you make it back and then some on the back end. And I think he might be able to talk Wade into that just for the sake of uh, still remaining competitive and keeping LeBron around. All right, Sean, so we've bothered you for enough of these takes about popular uh, players here. Before we let you go, I want to ask you, uh, you're obviously a huge fan of, of Swag P, uh, So, and he's a free agent, or he opted out. I mean, you also have like Channing Fry opting out. Where do you think a lot of these guys... Uh, could go. I mean, out of all the guys that, you know, besides really Melo and LeBron who are out there in free agency, and I guess, I mean, probably Dwayne Wade if he opts out, uh, who's like the most enticing to you? And those two that I mentioned, where can they really have an impact? Well, I would, I think there's really, I think it needs to be in the CBA that there's Nick Young is not allowed to play for any other team besides the Lakers. Like, it's just, it's just, you can't, you can't, it's just like, he, he's almost as iconic there as Kobe now. Like, he, he's just so natural, him in a Lakers. Did you see the, bull, the billboard today with his, with his, with his Yes, teeth? I did. And I, I think they, I think they have the right idea. I think that has more value than trying to convince Dwight Howard to stay, honestly, because, you know, Swaggy P is, is I, if there's any definition of a true Laker, that's what Swaggy P is. I think he has to stay in LA. Now, uh, Channing Fry is interesting because going into last season, he had just missed the whole uh, uh, the whole previous season with that heart condition that you know thankfully he got better from, and he had a really solid year last year. Obviously, Phoenix almost made the playoffs when people were expecting it to be one of the worst teams in the league. So, I can kind of see why he opted out to. Uh, Try to test free agency and sort of capitalize on that momentum. I think if he if he can get a long term deal from Phoenix, he's obviously a good fit there, and he's a big part of what they were doing this year. And that team seems like it's only going to get better going forward. So I'd look at signing there. If the Warriors uh, aren't able to pull off a trade for Kevin Love, then uh, you know there there's a, an option for them. Uh, the, you know another guy, you know a big man who can shoot, sort of a very poor man's version of Kevin Love. I don't know, I mean, maybe the Lakers look into it. There, there, there are plenty of teams that could use a guy like Cannon Fry. Actually, I, I completely forgot to ask you about Kevin Love. With, with all the places uh, he's been rumored to go and that all the places that are in conversation to bring him in, where, where do you think he goes, in your humble opinion? I think the Golden State deal happens eventually. There's no way that they're actually unwilling to 
afraid Clay Thompson. I think that's just posturing at this point. They, they, they both. I think both sides sort of know that if Clay Thompson is involved and the Warriors take back Kevin Martin's contract, and once they agree on the you know the ancillary pieces like which which future draft pick goes there, do they do they take back Barea's contract too? You know stuff like that. Once the big pieces are agreed on, it's just a matter of sort of figuring out that stuff. So I would say if I had to bet on where he ends up, I think he ends up with the Warriors. Now, the Bulls have the best offer for him if they really wanted to pull it all out, because they can offer Boozer, Gibson, Butler, Miritich, and two draft picks. If they really want to just make an offer that there's no way that the Timberwolves could turn down, they could do that. But it seems like they're more focused right now on Carmelo Anthony and trying to get him in free agency. I think he ends up in Golden State. All right, Sean Hyken at Hyken of Sports on Earth. It was a pleasure talking to you, sir. And you know what? I have to I have to compliment you on that on the spot Soldier Boy answer at the beginning because that's yeah, very that great. very accurate too. I I do what I can with that stuff. All right, so now we move on when we welcome in Jared Dubin uh, of Bloomberg Sports, Hardwood Paroxysm. I think I said, like, paroxysm the last time I had him on, and I, that was just that's just wrong. Uh, and he's at Dubin 5 on Twitter, and he's, he's always a pleasure to talk to. And he actually just uh, tweeted out this mock draft that you have absolutely seen because, like, literally everyone in the world just retweeted it, and it's, it's hilarious. I, I didn't know I was in the presence of such a Twitter superstar. Um, I can't claim to be a superstar, but that was fun to create. Now, why will Cleveland draft the wrong guy tomorrow, in your humble opinion? I mean, I don't necessarily think they will. It's just funny. Well, I mean, (coughs) it looks like it's probably not going to be Wiggins. The two guys they're deciding between are Wiggins and Parker. I don't think they can really go wrong. I think both players will be good. Um, I happen to think that Wiggins is a better fit, but... I, I still think Parker is going to be a really good player. So whichever way they go, I think they'll be fine. Um, but before, because I do want to talk a lot, a lot of draft, but we, we can't really forget about this trade that just went down with the Knicks trading Raymond Felton, uh, which they've been trying to do for a while, and his PER was like 50th among point guards this year, and it was, it was just really necessary. So, like, Shane Larkin aside, I know it's a sensitive subject for you, um, they do get Jose Calderon. It's another warm body that can play uh, the point. He, he was better last year by about 20 spots in PER than Raymond Felton. Uh, is it bigger, uh, Kev asked this to, to Sean, is it bigger for the Knicks to get rid of Felton or to get or to get like the assets that they did with the two second-round picks and then maybe a little flexibility in 2015? Um, well, I think it's uh, it's all connected. I don't know if you can separate them. Obviously, the the upgrade from from Felton to Calderon is huge, especially in you know the shooting department. Felton is a guy where teams go under screens and muck up the spacing all the time. You can't do that against Calderon. He has a quick trigger, and he's one of the better shooters at point guard in the history of the league. And he has good size, good passing, and cut, and you know moving ability, which is a is a key for the triangle. So that's that's really nice and a good fit, and certainly a much better fit. So, I want to keep it on the Knicks. They, sh- they shave a little bit of money off the cap this year, around uh, three something million dollars. But they actually they don't create flexibility in 2015. They actually lose a little bit. They added about five and a half million dollars to their cap in uh, in 2015. But the cost of that was acquiring Larkin and two second round picks. 
Um, particularly the 34th pick, I think, is really good value. When you, when you look at early second-round picks compared to late first-rounders, you're getting pretty much the same quality player, but the, uh, the, the contract is not guaranteed, and especially for a team like the Knicks that's going to be looking to make more moves this summer, it's nice to be able to get that talent in hand while not having to put the money on your cap. I was just going to ask you about that 34th pick, actually. I like a lot of the guys who are projected to go in that range, the the Dinwiddies of the world and the Earlies of the world. I really like Dinwiddie's future. I think he's kind of getting a bad rap because he went through this injury. Who do you kind of see the, the Knicks leaning towards down in that range? Is there anybody you have your eye on? Um, I'm, I haven't even necessarily thought of guys as fits for the Knicks because up until you know a few hours ago, they didn't have any picks. So it's kind of hard for me to pinpoint a guy that I think would be a really good fit. Um, it's more of you know the general type of players. If they could get a rim-protecting big man, um, I think that would be really good. Um, supposedly Walter Tavares is the kind of guy who might be around there. Uh, Mitch McGarry, if he falls into the second round. Um, I like Early as well. Rodney Hood, if he falls out of the first round, is a really good shooter that I like. Um, Clint Capella from Switzerland is really long and athletic, and he can rebound and shoot, which would be nice. So there are a few different guys I like. I just hadn't thought of anybody specifically as a fit for the Knicks just because they didn't have any picks. Well, Jared, I mean, just to throw some more names out there, they did work out Nick Johnson, and he could be there, uh, obviously the shooting guard out of Arizona, and then you look further down the list as guys who might be there uh, when their next pick, you know, rolls around, DeAndre Kane was a guy they worked out, um, I, and then uh, there was a lot of discussion too about Patrick Young last night because the Knicks worked him out, and uh, our friend Brian Giberman was really not very happy about the fact that people were enjoying that because he wasn't phenomenal in college. Um, it, it, a is Nick Johnson a guy that you'd be intrigued by, and, and B is uh, Patrick Young a guy you're turned off by. Um, I would say to the first question, yes, and to the second question, no. Um, I like Johnson. I think that at Arizona he was a little bit miscast, and if you moved him into more of you know, a, a cutting and moving around, well, just let him use his athleticism more than anything else rather than having him try to create. I think that he would be a little bit better. Um, Young doesn't have off-the-charts. Um, big man type numbers, but he was still productive. I think a lot of the uh, aversion to him is that he was looked at as someone who every year they were like, oh, Patrick Young could be a lottery pick, and then uh, it didn't happen. So I think that that's, that plays into the aversion a little bit. As, as far as late second round guys, there are a few different guys that are like, I think Russ Smith. Um, I know he's not exactly a prototypical size Phil guard, but someone who could pressure the ball like that I think would be interesting. C.J. Fair from Syracuse I've always liked a lot. Um, I think he has a really well-rounded skill set. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Thanasis, uh, the Greek beak's brother, just because he'd be fun. I'm going to venture into the first round now here since we've been doing a lot of talk about the second I'm wondering who you think is a sleeper in this draft. You could end up being an all-star or even better. Who isn't necessarily projected to go in that top ten? Um, so 
someone I, I think has just become a little bit underrated, not necessarily an all-star type guy, but someone who has for some reason slipped in the draft process because of workouts is Tyler Ennis from Syracuse. Um, he was a guy that was projected sort of, you know, maybe the back half of the top ten at his ceiling and late lottery at the start of the draft process. And then as workouts have gone on, he's moved down um, now you know, into the late teens and 20s, he, he winds up undervalued because of that. Um, you know, sort of his his stock dropping has sort of been the the polar opposite of Elfred Payton's rising, and I, I think that um, a lot of it's because of the workout type stuff. And Payton has apparently tested off the charts while Ennis has, you know, not held his own as much in those workouts. And I'm always skeptical of the late riser due to workouts, and I always like to jump on the guy who falls due to workouts because I think they wind up being undervalued compared to their body of work. Uh, now, Jared, I want to ask you about a pair of guys here who, you know, they're not very similar, uh, I don't think, but uh, Shabazz Napier or Nick Stauskas, uh, two guys that we got to see a lot of in tournament play, Last year, um, uh, you know, a I guess their range uh, to you, like, what, what do you, where do you think you could see Shabazz going? Like, what's his ceiling? Because we were discussing, you know, whether or not he was going to go even in the top twelve. And then Nick Stauskas, I feel like, has barely been projected. You know, maybe even up towards ten, and then down towards the the late lottery. Um, but I mean, both guys c- can shoot the three. I am a big fan of Stauskas. Um, I think he's the best shooter in the draft. And he's also flashed the ability to be a little bit of a playmaker as well. Anytime you have both of those skills, I think you can be a contributor. Um, there's a, a question a little bit about you know, whether he can guard and, uh, and who he can guard in the NBA. Um, but I think when you have a definite NBA skill, which he does in his shooting, that, uh, that you can make a place for yourself in the league. Um, and then, I'm sorry, the other one was Shabazz, you said? Yeah. Shabazz, I I like, but I'm not as high on as he's uh, crept up the draft boards lately. I think he's another one who's rising more because of the workouts and the tournament than the body of work he puts together. I think he can be a nice player, but, you know, you hear rumors of the Heat, sorry, the Heat trying to trade up from 26 to get him. And I feel like you have to go give up assets to go get that guy. It's not necessarily good value. Um, I think he's more of a late first type than someone who should go, you know, mid to late teens. Now, Jared, before we get you out of here, uh, a couple quick free agency questions and, you know, just in general, the big names in the NBA because we've seen the Kevin Love rumors, obviously the Melo rumors. Um, and I guess I'll start at Melo just real quick because. There's so much talk about that potential sign and trade with Chicago, uh, and the fact that the, you know the Knicks would get back some nice assets. D- do you see that sign and trade um, specifically, not just Melo signing straight up with Chicago, not him signing for kind of less money than Max with Chicago, but that sign and trade with Chicago is that the best outcome the Knicks can hope for? Do you think at this point? I I still think that the best outcome they can hope for is getting him back at the specific price point that they want. Um, in terms of him leaving, then yes, I think the best outcome would be a sign and trade with Chicago. I think that's far preferable to losing him for nothing. 
and I think it's preferable to a, a potential sign and trade with Houston or or even Miami. And how about LeBron? Where do you do you think he stays with Miami? A and also, do you think that Dwayne Wade is willing to take less money and they can kind of get some flexibility uh, down there? I do think LeBron winds up staying in Miami. Um, I, I can't claim to know Wade's thinking on a pay cut, but I do think that those guys will do whatever they can to continue playing together, continue winning together, and uh, try to help fill out the roster. All right, Jared, it's at Dubin 5 on Twitter, Jared Dubin of Bloomberg Sports, Hardwood Paroxysm. Uh, thanks so much for coming on with us tonight and just chatting a little bit about the NBA draft, and hopefully you enjoy tomorrow and uh, your life does not get worse with uh, Shane Larkin. We'll, we'll hope for the best. No, thanks a lot, man. I hope the Knicks keep Shane. Thanks for having me back, guys. I appreciate it. Anytime, thanks, Jared. Jared. Always fun having Jared on. Kevin and uh, well, I just I I don't think we're gonna see a Barnyani uh, in this draft, but uh, <laughs> I would hope not. Oh, good lord! But it's Cleveland. It's the, it's exactly what Jared put on his. It's gonna be the wrong guy, no matter what it is. <laughs> oh man, you know it too, because like last year, you're like Bennett. What? Ben? Yeah. No, what? Who? Why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's got problems sleeping. He has asthma. He's just not oh, in shape. Is... Oh, but hey, we still don't know about him. I'm still trying. I defended him for a little while too. We still don't really know. It's the same situation as, as Noel. We haven't seen Noel play at all. But with Bennett, <laughs> and we the, haven't seen enough yet. And the re, and the, the fact that Noel hasn't played at all makes him one of the best prospects That's, in last so year's funny. draft. We discussed this a while back, and it is just ridiculous. It's true, everybody's though. just saying how great that trade was for Philly. And I mean, it was great for Philly, even if Noel doesn't only turns into like a decent rotation guy. But everybody's just assuming that Noel's going to be solid, and I, I'm not totally there yet. There are a couple people who really do think he'll be a decent rim protector at the least, but we'll see. His offensive game is so raw, and his his high top fade is Ugh. is like two feet tall now. Is he is he keeping that still? I did you seen did a you see of him the picture? No, I I tweeted it out. Uh, I think it was last night or two nights ago. It is like insane, man. Really? It's literally I think a foot tall. I'm, I'm going to look it up right now, and, and we'll see. We'll get my reaction after I see it. And uh, I I finally see the Nerlens Noel picture here right in front of me, great? and his high top takes is about the same amount of I don't know height as his face. This is ridiculous. Well, he's like a true seven footer now, to, man. Yeah, he's taking it to another level. You can push that down pretty easily, though. I wonder what it'd be like to wear a hat. Like try just just not even because obviously you don't wear a hat with that you just kind of haircut. Have it sitting try on to wear top. a hat. So it's just like I wonder separate, if you like that, I wonder if you could. Could, could I mean, you just like rest a hat could, on top but, of your flat top, like, or would it sink? I think it would rest, but I don't think it would look good. It, that'd be a that'd be yeah. a really weird look. I think I, I think I have something I want to Google tonight. Now that's what <laughs> Google people <laughs> yeah. with high top fades wearing hats. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, I picture the Keen Peel sketch where they keep going back and forth with different hats, and they keep leaving more things on it, and eventually they're just cases sitting on their heads. It's a good one to look up if you haven't seen it. And now looking at him, I just that's all I see. I see a, a hat just plopped on top of that massive hair. I, I there was a rapper recently who got a haircut with his hat on. Like I'm almost positive this happened. So what, what, like what kind of hat is it? Just around the sides? Because that's how I, I, think I picture. So yeah. I don't so know, that's kind of like a bowl cut. That's <laughs> weird. So we started talking about hair. It was very strange. Um, yeah. But just quick predictions before we get out of here for tomorrow's draft because it's we're going to be there. It's going to be really fun. Oh, predictions. Let me th- let me see here. Well, I, I kind of disagree with what Jared said before about the fact that Alfred Payton's rise is kind of 
a reason to not believe in him as much because I really like him, and I, I know that teams have started to like him a lot, and it's not just his workouts. I know his workouts have been great, but it's the meetings, the one-on-one meetings they've had with him where they just feel like his character's high, that he has the leadership qualities that teams need. I really like Alfred Payton tomorrow. He was saying today that he felt like he could go as high as seven, that his agent was telling him seven. Interesting for him to go to a team like the Lakers if they actually keep that pick. I don't know if they will. The other guy I'm really looking at for tomorrow, who's one of those unsure things, is Julius Randle. And it's really like yeah, a we were t- curious yeah, we were about him case. Before. Yeah, it's a real curious case for him because he's the guy who, along with Jabari Parker, everybody says is the most NBA-ready. And when you, people say that they're the most NBA-ready, the problem is they're saying that they don't have a high ceiling. I think Julius Randle does have a high ceiling. I think he's underrated. And I think whoever gets him, as long as his foot issues don't really flare up, I think he's going to be solid. Well, Kevin, as you can hear, is our re- uh, resident bas- college basketball expert. I um, love it. It's my favorite thing in the whole wide world. <laughs> you know what, actually? I forgot to bring up. You love Wichita State. I do. And um, uh, Lil B had a, a recent mixtape, Hoop Life, where he like shouted out all these teams. And he, and he shouted out Wichita State. Yes, the Shockers. Let's go. And then he said, but instead of saying Wichita State, he said, like, uh, Wichita or something. He like completely <laughs> botched it. Oh god! No, oh, he said Wichita State. Wichita State. Little B. Come on, just come through. At least he, at least he knew though. Like, at least yeah. he knew that Wichita State was <laughs> that good. They now. existed. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna put this before we before this bold prediction on the table. Uh, and I don't really know how much like how real or how like if it's even a realistic possibility because I don't really think it is. But I think the Knicks tomorrow. There's a chance they could come away with Tyler Ennis, PJ Hairston, and DeAndre Kane. And and that would be a, I, an extremely successful draft. We talked to me. about Hairston a little while a little be a little while ago, and I really like Hairston. I like what he's done. I watched him a good bit while he was still in school at North Carolina, and all I've heard is that he just lit up the D League. And I know it's the D League, but he apparently was just transcendent. And and maybe at some point, you know, like maybe it could be uh, a sign and trade, and the Bulls had taken uh, Tyler Ennis. But I really think that whether it's tomorrow or it's, I think the Knicks. I, I guess maybe now I'm saying it could be realistic. I, I, I think they could end up with all three of those guys. And if you end up with all three of those guys, Sans Shumpert, say you have to give up Shumpert for a pick, um, and you don't get Mello back. When I'm going into 2015, 2016, I have J.R. Smith, I have Tim Hardaway Jr., I have those three guys, and say in some world you keep Shane Larkin, you have Calderon as a veteran presence, that's not a bad team. And you know what? It's a promising future. Yes, and I'm okay. And that's what Knicks fans, that's all Knicks fans really want at this point. And I'm okay with J.R. Smith on that team. I really am. I'm not. I'm sorry. I am. No, and I I understand why you would not want J.R. Smith on your team, but... There's to me, there's a difference between J.R. Smith playing with Carmelo Anthony, Mars Stoudemire, Andrea Bargnani, Tyson Chandler, and J.R. Smith playing with a bunch of exciting young players. He's still going to shoot, though. He's going to take all he that is. development possibility I don't away think so. from those young players. Because I don't think so because he's J.R. Smith. Because, but, he's going to fire it. From but it's not feet. iso ball. It's not iso ball anymore. Not, they're well, playing the triangle. if they can get him to play within a system, I'd and be they're going, they're going to. I mean, they're going to. It's not like it, it, the system is going to work with him running isos all the time. I, well, you never know. It's he's, a completely he's really different stubborn, type and of I know team. Phil wants to implement that. He's also one funny. of the best catch and shoot guys in the league. 
he can play at a high level, and I liked it when the Knicks first signed him, but this most recent deal, they were handcuffed oh, into signing it's too it. much money. It's I'm too not much money, and it was the only option because they had nobody else that could score. They needed somebody else to step in and take some shots, and he just didn't step up. I think I, I'm, I just don't hate him on that team. I don't I, mind it. I don't like him. I don't like him now. I don't like him then. I don't like his antics. I think I like Lance Stevenson's antics, but I don't like J.R. Smith's. He's just silly. I may, maybe we'll cut that part out. Okay. all right well that marks the end of the pod oh we forgot we completely forgot you just like motioned to me without you could have just said it on the microphone i could have just said it but i I wasn't sure if it had changed while i was sitting while we were recording the pelicans not the pelicans yeah the the pelicans yeah the pelicans they just (laughs) traded uh for omar ashik huge huge news they traded a future first rounder could be in 2015 and uh, a million and a half dollars Clearly, the Rockets are positioning for something bigger by getting yes. rid of that Asha contract, which was backloaded, which has a bunch of money they didn't want to pay him. And they end up getting that first rounder. There was a possibility earlier in the season that they turned down. that was Brandon Bass and a first round pick from the Celtics that they didn't take. Now they're only getting a first round pick. I don't know. Maybe they didn't get the full value they could have. I mean, look, sign and trade. Now they have that extra piece to send. They could apparently they they could pair Melo and Dwight. It could happen. Yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't know how those guys would mesh, and especially with Harden there too. That's a lot of guys who like the ball. All right, we'll be back next week or maybe later this week to pre or to kind of recap the draft, put a bow on it. But we apologize for missing so much time, and so does Matt. I can speak for him, and he apologizes. Yeah, we're all very sorry. All right, we'll get out of here now. This was a long podcast. Thanks again to Sean Hyken and Jared Dubin. We'll see you soon. Okay, here's my chance. The open lane. Don't get nervous. Don't sweat. Everyone's watching.